The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Welcome in our Premier League insider, David Ornstein, to talk more about the Premier League. We've talked a lot already about Steve Bruce in Newcastle, all the problems going on there. But Leeds comes into this game without a win on the season. What are, what are some things that people are pointing to as, uh, as troubling signs early in the season, at least for Leeds? Well, look, Ahmed, we spoke last week about Everton, this time last week, and then being a sleeping giant of English football. And I think the same can be said about Leeds United. They are a massive club. Right now, it's not all going their own way. Marcelo Bielsa, a legendary coach within global football, came into the club a few years ago. He brought them up to the Premier League after a 16-year absence. That history that he made has made an indelible mark on that club, and it's cemented his status. However, we're going to come on to why things aren't going so well now. And some of the context is that everything has been built around Marcelo Bielsa on and off the pitch, the training ground, the team, the squad, the recruitment. He's a very demanding manager to work for. The players love it, but it's also exhausting. The executives, the staff, they love it, but it's very exhausting and demanding. And after the heroics of last season, finishing in ninth place, this season they've had injuries Have they prioritised style over substance? They've had trouble with Rodrigo, the player who is playing tonight. He needs to produce goals, the record signing. It can't all be on Patrick Bamford. Uh, Adrea Radrazani, the owner. Victor Orta, the director of football. Uh, Angus Kinnear, the chief executive. They've got a big job on their hands, but it will all come down to Marcelo Bielsa is this second season syndrome. Yeah, and they had problems last weekend with Liverpool, 3-0 loss. They're Liverpool trying to prove that last season was not a step back, it was just some injuries and they can bounce right back. What has stuck out to you the most about their start this year? Well, Liverpool have done things so differently, Ahmed, this summer to every other leading club. They, instead of recruiting heavily, they have renewed contracts. They have prioritised having and holding what they have, and it's working so far. I've got a sneaking feeling that they could launch an impressive challenge for the title this season and, of course, in the Champions League. Now, with that policy, we've got to ask ourselves why they did it. It's because finances are tight. FSG, their ownership, tried to run a sustainable ship, only spending what they earn. We're still in a pandemic. They've had to build a new training ground. They've built a new stand and they want to build another. So money is tight. But Jurgen Klopp is an expert at working with what he has and developing talent. And Michael Edwards, their sport director too. Now I revealed in my Monday column a couple of weeks back that he could well leave the club when his contract expires next summer and that could be a massive moment for Liverpool. It's not finally decided yet 
but it is something that we look like we are moving towards. And Liverpool need to understand how that will affect them. I think, from what we're seeing of Liverpool so far this season, that they could win that title back that they lost to Manchester City last season. And if they do, I believe it could be a bigger achievement than they, when they won it for the thir- first time in 30 years two seasons ago. A lot of intrigue, as always, with Liverpool. Really sets up for an interesting matchup tomorrow against Crystal Palace under Patrick Vieira. Got their first win against Tottenham 3-0. What are some of the things you're hearing out of that camp early this season? I actually think this is one of the most fascinating stories in the Premier League because Crystal Palace are a club that I describe as being very earthy. They have a rickety old stadium. They had or have a rickety old training ground, but they are developing. They've built a new academy to provide the next wave of talent. They're trying to redevelop the stadium and they're trying to move into the modern era with their manager as well after a long and very painful recruitment process that saw them come close to appointing the likes of Lucien Favre, of um, Nuno Espirito Santo. They eventually gambled on Patrick Vieira with no Premier League experience previously and not any spectacular managerial experience. They had around 12 players out of contract. They have recruited very, very impressively. The sporting director, Dougie Friedman, the chairman and co-owner, Steve Parrish, his American co-owners, Josh Harris and David Blitzer and John Text has now come on board as well. And they appear to be clicking. The likes of Mark Gurhey and jo- Joachim Anderson at the back. Um, and of course, we saw that hat trick, uh, that, that two goals in succession for Odson Edward, uh, Connor Gallagher in midfield as well. Liverpool and, Manche- uh, Liverpool and Crystal Palace have quite a close relationship. Some of the people behind the scenes share ideas. And I wonder if that sort of inside intelligence could help Crystal Palace tomorrow. They have the type of players that could wound Liverpool and do some dangerous things. I'm really intrigued to see where this project goes at Palace, because if it goes wrong, very quickly they could hurtle downwards. But there's a lot of goodwill behind Patrick Vieira and that club. All right, David Ornstein, our Premier League insider. Thanks once again. Earthy is a term that I'm going to use now constantly, probably throughout (laughs) the rest of the show. Hello, welcome to studio, Tim, Ahmed, and Robbie. So we kind of looked at it. There there was so much pressure, Mm -hmm. Tim, on Steve Bruce coming into this game, all the chatter, the calls for him to step down. He's saying he's not going to do that. Given all that, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty heroic effort for this club. Yeah, it's a it's a good response. And I think probably that's how far Newcastle has fallen. That we're saying that that's a decent result for them at at one one. And look, I thought I thought things needed to change in the first half because it, did, it didn't look good for them. They made the change. So again, credit to Newcastle for for putting up a fight because Leeds isn't isn't an easy game. Just the way that they play, and obviously the crowd we could hear at times, particularly in the first half, there was a lot of boos. And so they get restless, and that's really hard to hard to play in front of. So they did well. Do you think this quiets them there at least for a week? <laughs> only only for only for a week to the next game yeah. to the next kind of bad performance. I think what almost frustrates them is the difference of the first half to the second half. The first half should they should have probably been out of sight. I, I kind of was tallying the opportunities to score, and it was like Leeds six and Newcastle three. Mm-hmm. Um, but the changes were made at halftime, tactical changes between him and Graham Jones' assistant, and it was better. Now, Newcastle fans want some continuity. Like, that was 4-3-3. OK, well, if that suits us a bit better, and I know games are different given your opponents, but that looked better. They looked more solid in midfield. Alan San Maximo is a star player. He, he is a special yes. talent, Tim, isn't he? With yes. what he can do and his dribbling skills, he nearly scored in the second half with a powerful left foot shot. So there's something there, but I think it's just the, the consistency that's a frustrating part. And when they're not consistent and they go backwards and they put in poor, perform, poor performances, then the fans have every right again to say, well, hang on a minute, you know, what, what are we? 
Do we, do we need to look a little more critically, though, to Leeds here? Because we talked a lot about Newcastle and what they needed to show. I mean, Leeds still without a victory this season, Tim. Do we need to be a little more harsh on them? Probably, but I, look, Bielsa is, is a magician in terms of just all, all, all the, the craziness, that, the way he sets his teams up. And we're, that's never going to change. And so we can be harsh on them, but they'll come out next week and play the same formation and play, you know, off the cuff and – those chances are certain days. That's what frustrates you about Leeds. If you're if you're a Leeds fan and excites you, is that some days they take those chances and, they, and it's four nil first half, no problem, and they don't have to target and they're and they're wasteful. The the big issue with Leeds is they create so many good opportunities that I almost think they get bored sometimes in front of goal and they try and look for the perfect goal. Last season they scored a ton more goals at this point, like double the amount. Dan James quiet, and it's the first game and and he'll get better. Um, but that's, that's the issue for them. Rafinha gets the goal. Patrick Bamford didn't really look like it. That's been the issue, and Jack Harrison is out with COVID, we believe now. So that's the only difference in my... They've always given up chances. They did last year, but, but last season they, they, they made the chances count, and they looked such a threat because of the goal threat they had. Now it's a little less... They're just not informed so much, which makes them vulnerable to losing points that they've done again today. What do they do if the offence doesn't come that easily? Like we well, they won't change, game. Ahmed. Oh. I mean, that, that's, you, you might say, well, hang on, we should be more cautious. They won't. Yep. It's just they'll wait. The manager will wait for those guys to find some form, and the goals, hopefully for them, will start coming. You were absolutely breathtaking and played really well in the game tonight. Can you just talk to us a little bit about your relationship with Steve Bruce and how he's getting the best out of you? Yeah, to be honest, I, I, really, I really love Steve Bruce because... It's Steve Bruce gives me the chance to, to show my quality in, uh, in Premier League, in Newcastle. I know for every manager it's, it's difficult. Sometimes you have a good time, sometimes you have, you have a bad time, but it's always the same. We are together and we have to stay together. We win together and we lose together. So we just have to keep going, keep working in training, and I always try to do my best for him, for, for help my team uh, to win a game. Steve, it was absolutely breathless stuff from start to finish, a point apiece. Is that a fair reflection over, over the whole piece, do you feel? Well, if I'm being honest, um, I enjoyed the game. And, it, and let's be honest, it could have went either way, couldn't it? It was, it was like something back when you played school. It was end-to-end and, you know, the full width of the length of the pitch. And to be fair to Leeds, the, the force you into that way. But... Um, after a difficult start for us, a, a little change in formation, and I thought we were much better. And the response from them in difficult circumstances was terrific. Yeah, it took almost that goal for, for you really to get a grip on the game. But what does that response that your side showed in the game and well, the second I, I half performance say I, about I, them? You know, the, the, when you when you analyse it and you look at them, the players have given everything what they possibly could, and that's all you can ask in my position. Um, they've given everything what they could and um, could have won it. weren't quite good enough to win it, but. The actual game and the response from the team, our team, was, uh, was terrific. In terms of that, what great. So Steve Bruce enjoyed that game, seemed like a sense of relief, and he'd probably enjoy hearing that interview from right. St. Maximum as well, yeah. at the back of his, of his head coach. Right, and, and that's what I took from that. And I think when you see the team play, not just in this game, or particularly in the second half, but in other games, the team is still playing for the manager. Yeah. You know, and there's the, the pressures on him and the, the local media and the national media and everything else, the pressures on Steve Bruce. But I see nothing from that squad that, 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 that hints at 
they're fed up with him or they're not listening to him. That was a, there was a big reaction at halftime and much better performance. Yeah, and I think, I think St. Maximin tells us what we already know. Players hear and feel the, the scrutiny and the grumblings in the stadium mm-hmm. and the media. So it was great. It was great that their best player is saying we are working hard on the training ground. We're working hard for the manager because, let's face it, they're not the most talented team in the world. So they can never lose that hard work and that, and that endeavor, and they did it. Yep. And the results have somewhat been there. 13th in his first year, 12th uh, this past year. So Newcastle still looking for their first win, but Steve Bruce perhaps the pressure being taken off just a little bit from him. 2-0 for Thomas Frank's men, and at halftime, Robbie Musso called Brentford super- uh, superb. <clears throat> what would be the word you would describe Wolverhampton Wanderers? Oh, <laughs> disappointing has been kind to them. I mean, they had half an hour there with an extra man, 11 shots in total, none on target. End product. I mean, we've, we've said it before about Adonis Troy, and it's just not, it's not just him, but they, they lacked sparkle. They lacked kind of a decisive pass or a through ball or a cross. The final piece wasn't good enough, and they got well beaten today. Mm. It's a surprise because so far this season, they've looked, the results aside, they've looked really good to him, but just not today. Well, there's just no end product with them. I mean, Musty talked about the shots. They've only scored two goals. It, we're used to seeing the ball go wide and then it get, it gets smashed into him. And, as, and that's just what they've done. And it's kept them in a real good position in the Premier League. The balls, they aren't going wide anymore. They're not getting into him. And as something seems a little bit off there. We know about the injury. So, yeah, they, they look good up until getting into the penalty area. And that's where the decisive moments come. They haven't been clinical. Brentford, how high can they go? Oof. I, I love this for them. I mean, up to up to ninth, and it's on merit, too. They're playing well. They're not sneaking by. They've looked really, really good today. So, I mean, the fact that they're that high up in the table, everybody will be delighted for them. Thomas Frank described before this game in the interview that we had what he was going to do and what, where the threat from Wolves were, was, and he, he just did it. Mm-hmm. He totally did it. They offered no threat. And the last comment, Brian Embermo, 22 years of age, he looks like he could be a star. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm talking higher like, the left foot, the way he moves, his finishing, the composure. He looks like he could be a top player in the next few years. Let's hear from the Arsenal manager, Mikel Arteta. Well, congratulations. Uh, well-earned win, but you had to fight for it, didn't you? You always have to fight to win in this stadium. Uh, it doesn't matter the result. They're going to put you under pressure. Uh, but we had to suffer. We did. I think we defended really well. The situations that they constantly proposing uh, in the first half, we had some really good patches where we were really dominant and looked a real threat. And uh, in the second half, we had periods where we suffered because we didn't finish the actions either. When we have such a big openings uh, to finish the action, we didn't, and then we have to hang in there. But um, I think the team showed uh, a real spirit here. I was going to say the thing about that: it's such a young team, and, and they're a developing team. You learned a lot about them today; that they grew a lot in character. Yeah, but didn't that they? grows confidence around the team that they can win under those circumstances. And when people are questioning their, their ability to compete here or they're going to get bullied, no, they didn't get bullied. They tried their best and some of them, they are not still mature enough to compete with these boys, but uh, they tried their best and they certainly deserve the victory. Let's hear from the Southampton manager, Ralph Hassenhurtle, after we've heard from Pep Guardiola. And you said to me, you were interested to see how they reacted mentally after the Champions League. Did, did it take its toll, do you think, looking at that? The players wanted, absolutely, but sometimes the other opponents play good and the last years all we struggled and uh, we tried and, uh, and unfortunately we couldn't do it. Finally, word on the atmosphere, terrific. Over 53,000 in here today. Yeah, good, as always. Thanks, Pep. Ralph, you said to me earlier on you had an intense plan, you'd worked all week. How good does it feel to see that plan come off today? Very good. 
It was a, a very, very demanding game today. Uh, this is what we expected. And tactically, I must say, it was uh, one of the best games since I'm here at this club because uh, the guys did an amazing job. We changed four times the shape in the, in the game and uh, to, to, to prepare for both shapes the whole week and do it in this prop against such a team is, is for me uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely proud of, of, of what my team did today. And I think we had also in the end chances to win it, but uh, yeah, we have never not conceded the goal here and uh, we have been close to winning here. Here's Jurgen Klopp. Jürgen, Crystal Palace gave you the test you expected and predicted before the match. You must be so pleased with the way your team came through that. Absolutely. It's one of the most, I told the boys already, one of the most hard-fought 3-0 I ever uh, saw. So we had to give our absolute everything. Hard, really hard challenges, fair challenges, but hard. Um, and um, physicality in the game was immense. We had to be really ready in each situation. So they kept it so they played good football, but they kept it quite similar. They didn't come through with, with the stuff they actually want to do, but the chips in behind our fullbacks gave us a struggle. That's um, because then Saha, Ayu wanted to have that. The longer the, the game went, they, they used that more and more, and so we had to run a lot. You cannot press any kind of balls. It's just you have to defend that. Everybody has to run. And we said it plenty of times, and... Um, the Wednesday Saturday rhythm, Sunday Wednesday Saturday is really hard. Um, and but we, we came through. We scored wonderful goals. We used our set pieces today, thanks to Pete Kravitz and uh, and James and all the analysts, because it's 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 really massive in games like this. If it would have been a one nil, I would have said these are exactly the games you have to win. Um, when you are not brilliant, good, but not brilliant, you still have to win football games, and that's what we did today. And at the other end of the pitch, Mo Salah's goal overshadowed last week against Leeds, but scoring like that in front of the cop, great for him. Top, but today we have to mention Sadio. He scored the 100th goal in all competitions, so that's um, absolutely a great goal as well. How said that the, the, the set pieces uh, were outstanding today, pretty much all of them. Then Nabi with the screamer, unbelievable goal. So yeah, Mo is there. When you need him, first goal, um, we scored. It was Mo with the header, could have gone in already, um, but Sadio finished it off so yeah good good game not not we were not flying today we had to uh, run out a proper performance that's what we did our people were here and there and helped us so um, I really I really liked it you need it. we all know that and um, when you when you look back at the end of a season you have these games where you think oh my god that was really fun and then the other games oh that was really important and that's one of these very important games Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the subject of today's boot room. Of course, Manchester United going to West Ham a little bit later on at 9 a.m. Eastern um, here on NBCSN. So we thought we'd take a moment or quite a few moments to really get some detail because we talk, Robbie, I'll start with you. We mm. talk so many times about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and is he the right man and can he, can he do what needs to be done at Manchester United? And mm. now he has the tools in Cristiano Ronaldo, who we just saw there. So for you... Bearing in mind what happened midweek in the Champions League, has he got what it takes? If so, why? If not, why not? Mm. Well, I think I've been pretty consistent with this, Rebecca, and it's not for a lack of respect or a lack of appreciation of what's gone on to this point and how he's developed this team and how he's recruited really well, but I just don't think he's got what it takes, Rebecca, to take him over that final line um, based on his 
experience as a manager, what he's done as a coach, as a manager, um, that has to, has to factor into my opinion of whether he can take this team of stars now, Galacticos, as they would say in Spain, a star team. Can he make them into a real team? Because that's what I'm seeing at the moment. I'm seeing, uh, and this is not just this, this early part of this season, the last season and the season before that, where there's times where they look brilliant. And to be fair, the team has developed its attacking play to be more of a Manchester United team now, on the front foot, attacking, attacking, attacking. Yet, in big moments, to get into the details of why not, mm. in big moments, in big games, we've seen various multiple semi-finals. We saw the, the final against Villarreal, where it's like, this, they're ready to win now. He hasn't been able to do that. I'm sure we're going to get into details, Rebecca, or more details about the reasons for that. But, but my initial thought is that Great up to this point, to be fair. Better than I expected. But is he really going to bring the, 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 top, the, the top trophies in, in European football to Old Trafford? I don't think it will happen. I think that's what's really interesting, mm. is what is he missing as a manager that the others have? Time and experience, which we don't get. I mean, I think you're right, failing at the final hurdle. But you know, Pep Guardiola has lost a few as well. The difference is he's, he's won the trophies. I think that he has Ronaldo now. Every manager needs that one player that is, for lack of a better term, their mate, the one they can lean on, whether it be the captain or the star player. And he has this pre-existing relationship with Ronaldo. I believe he's going to come in and he's going to essentially take over. I think Ronaldo's going to take over the dress room because of who he is. He's, he's this godlike figure on and off the pitch, which ultimately is going to help Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as long as he doesn't overstep, right? Because still the respect has to be with the manager. But we look at Paul Pogba, and I do think as much as I was critical of how Ali handled the situation with Paul Pogba last year, because I was thinking if I was a manager, I'd put him, I'd put him out with the reserves. Ali handled it in the end really well because Pogba's back on side now, mm. playing brilliantly, and apparently he was going to leave the club without question, and now he's considering... Resigning a, a new contract. If 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 Ollie wasn't the the right person for the job, I'm not sure he would be staying. You don't often see though at a club the size of Manchester United the manager smaller, if you like, mm. than one or many more of their players. So if you look at the Ronaldo Ollie dynamic that Tim talks about there, Tim knows them both well. He believes that Ronaldo is going to come in and take over that dressing room, and ultimately that's good for Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer if it works and Ronaldo performs and everyone respects him. But surely there has to be a huge downside to that too, yes. because ultimately you're undermining the manager. Right? Yeah, I, w I wouldn't want any. If I'm a manager, I don't want any player to take over anything, you know. And and that, going back to your question, uh, if I could to Tim, mm -hmm. what he's what he's lacking, missing, is is, is gravitas, is fear factor, and and maybe nowadays, Tim, mm -hmm. the, you know, you shouldn't that shouldn't really be important, but I think it is, mm -hmm. and I think drive, determination. Uh, desperation to win. If I look at Thomas Tuchel, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, going back further, Antonio Conte, uh, Jose Mourinho, these are, these are guys that have got a fire in them. Now, again, mm. this is only of what we see on the sideline, what I see in interviews. I just don't know whether a club, full, a, a dressing room full of star players, they've got to be a little bit, like, fearful yeah. of, of what the manager yeah. thinks, what he says, how he behaves. Thomas Tuchel is a good example right now. Currently, on the sideline, you see him getting fired up and angry. He's shouting at people, just mm. keeping top players on their toes, Rebecca. Because I think that if you haven't got that, then players will take a day off or they'll just like, 
again, the fear factor yeah, is important. Be, there has to be a fear. And I think there has to be a mean streak. And, it, and you talked about the top, the top managers there. They all seem to have a yeah. mean streak. I mean, Tuchel comes in, and I didn't like it. He subbed a sub. He took uh, uh, Hudson Odoi, mm. put him on, and took him off. And I thought that's crazy. But he came in day one and 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 let everybody know I'm boss. So yes, I don't think Ali has has a mean streak in him. What I would say though, and and yes, it could get dangerous if Ronaldo comes and takes over. But if Solskjaer aligns himself with Ronaldo and and they're having meetings in the manager's what office, do you mean, why does he have to align himself with him? Why does he have to? Well, because he's uh, because he's the most powerful player in world football. So isn't that more reason that he should not dominate him? But, but, but if, if he's strong with Ronaldo, mm-hmm. wouldn't that really inspire his teammates and like a oh, sign think, of his, of his strength? He, yeah, I think he could be strong with him. I also think he can bring him into his office and talk about tactics. And I think he can talk about who, who, who fits what piece. Oh, I think that, that we're getting better crosses from this player on this side. Aren't you giving he, him too much power, Tim? Does he not deserve that power? I, I don't think in, in talk, talking tactics. Mm. Mm. What about <clears throat> where we go with Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Because Robbie doesn't think that he can get this team over the line to get the major trophies. He thinks it's unlikely that's going to happen. If Ole Gunnar Solskjaer became available tomorrow, he's not going to any other club in the top... Yeah. Maybe League? Maybe the Premier League? Mm-hmm. He's not, Tim. Mm-hmm. So if he's not going to win trophies and he's not going to go anywhere else... Why is he still in a job? Well, they've gotten they've gotten to a few finals. They they have this unbeaten streak, you know, the away from home unbeaten streak. Yeah. They've signed Varane. They've signed um, Ronaldo. Pogba's playing better. Mm-hmm. Sancho Fernandez is brilliant. Like this is this is a really good team. Yeah. He has all the pieces now. Yeah. When we talked about this a couple weeks ago, mm. all the tools are in the toolbox now, mm. right? So maybe. Maybe this is the defining moment. This is the defining season. Can he get the best? Do you think season? he can get them over the line? I do. I, I really in do. In which competition? Um, I certainly think they're, they're going to go the distance in the Premier League. They have a real good chance. You don't? Well, I just think that... No. I, I, Whether they, they win should, or not, I don't I mean, know, but they, they have a great chance. I mean, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not all negative. Mm-hmm. I quickly want to go again. Like the development of the team, Rebecca, the recruitment has been superb to yeah. give him all the tools. Mm-hmm. And the fact they were second last year, he, you know, he's got to a point and the, the hardest jump is the last one. Mm-hmm. And that's where I question whether when, when you need all these attributes I've just talked about, I don't know whether I haven't seen it yet. And he might prove me wrong and mm-hmm. fair play to him if he does. I just haven't seen those attributes to get a team like United over the line in the Premier League or the Champions League. Just quickly, if he fails again this season and, and those two trophies especially elude him. Do you think the time is up then? He's oh, had everything. That, yeah, I would think so. So the summer is a crucial time based on what trophies arrive at Old Trafford. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. agree. I think, I think nothing's going to happen this season. No. You know, I'm assuming he gets through his group. They're yeah. bottom right now after one game, but yeah. assuming he's going to be okay. At the end of the season, it should be an assessment. Okay, where are we at? Mm-hmm. Does somebody yeah. need to come in now? Because he's been there nearly three years. Let's yeah. not forget as well, since uh, December 2018. That was Sunday morning's boot room. Let's take you live to North London, where our Premier League insider David Ornstein joins us. Good morning, David. Lovely to see you. A couple of questions for you. You'd like some background, if possible. First of all, a man who scored a brilliant goal in midweek, Declan Rice for West Ham, who is, of course, in the starting lineup for the Hammers against Manchester United. The fact that he's still a West Ham player heading now into this new season is joy for all West Ham fans. Was it always going to be that way? It is indeed joy for West Ham fans, Rebecca. Uh, I think that Declan Rice is going to be one of the greatest players of this generation of English footballers. So mark my words on that and watch this space. He, of course, joined West Ham from Chelsea as a 14-year-old 
after being released by Chelsea's academy. So there was always going to be a bit of speculation if he was a success with West Ham that Chelsea might want him back. He has been a success. He's become vice-captain. Crucially, in uh, December 2018, he signed a new long-term contract, keeping him at West Ham until 2024 with the option of a further year. I'll come back to that in a second. And duly... Chelsea seemed to have come for him. Frank Lampard, when he was manager, wanted to sign Declan Rice, maybe even convert him into a world-class central defender. It sounded like he may want to make that move as well. But West Ham said they'll be demanding Bank of England money. And I can reveal that many in the Chelsea hierarchy had reservations about paying that sort of money for a player they released from their academy and felt that perhaps he had deficiencies in his game that he still hadn't completely resolved. Well, fast forward to now, there are reports that he will not be signing a new contract at West Ham. There have been links with Manchester United and Manchester City, but West Ham hold all the aces because of that long-term contract. And he's going to shine for club and country, I believe, in the years ahead. OK, we're going to hold you to that, David. We'll come back to you in those years ahead. Let's talk about Tottenham, how quickly things can change, David, in football. Those first three games, everyone was loving Nuno, everyone was loving Spurs, and then the Crystal Palace game. The state of Tottenham right now is what, heading into the game today against Chelsea? You're right, they were top of the league without a goal conceded, but at Crystal Palace, the wheels came off, and people I speak to at and around Tottenham have suggested that was perhaps papering over the cracks. So the pressure is going to come immediately. Why? Well, firstly, because Tottenham have high expectations, but secondly, because Nuno Espirito Santo was not their first choice manager. They looked at the likes of Mauricio Pochettino coming back, the likes of uh, um, uh, Antonio Conte, of course. Uh, I was speaking to people at the time that were saying Nuno Espirito Santo wasn't even in the frame. And so that gives you a shorter shelf life if things begin to go wrong. He's had to contend with a myriad of issues, injuries, COVID situations, the three players who may return today who have been training in Croatia and uh, various other situations. But one of them is the over-reliance on Harry Kane and Son Heung-min. Harry Kane has not hit the ground running. I've spoken to people that say he's just not at full fitness after his late return to competitive action and of course Son, Son Heung-min is injured so there's a lot of pressure and a lot riding on this. Daniel Levy has built this amazing stadium we sit and stand in front of as we speak. He will expect results on the pitch. Nuno Espirito Santo, I'm not sure if he's going to be the long-term solution for Tottenham and so what he does need to do is deliver now. I mean it doesn't get much bigger than Chelsea here today. They then play Arsenal in their next league game so all eyes on Nuno Espirito Santo. Indeed, no love lost between Spurs and Chelsea. Our thanks there to David Ornstein, our Premier League insider. Let's hear from David De Gea, that final second hero, Jesse Lingard, the match winner, the United manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But first, here's David Moyes. David, so much going on in that game. What's the, the feeling from you now? Well, I thought it was a proper game. That's what I did think. thought two teams went at it, had a goal in the game and... Uh, in the end, you know, it was very close to a draw, if we're going to say that, but uh, uh, it was a good game, good game. Let's go straight in with Mark Noble coming off the bench and, and taking the penalty. What was the, the thinking behind that? Look at his record. His record's very good. I had the time to think about it. I think I'd have been more disappointed if I hadn't made the decision than, than I did. But uh, you make them and it just didn't quite work today. Almost had to be Jesse Lingard that, that got the winner in the end. It was a brilliant goal for him, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah but... Look, Jesse's been great for us. And it's quite often happens, you know, Jesse had a terrible mistake in midweek in the Champions League and uh, quite often, you know, football's got a strange way of coming back and bouncing back and uh, and he scores a, a world of a goal to, to win it. 
it did come so close to, to getting some points out of this game or a point out of this game. When you take a step back and analyse it, what will you feel about this one? Well, I think we've. we've uh, I think you've got to look at what Manchester United have done, and probably their position are getting talked about as being possible champions. So, I think we've given them a, a run for their money. We we want to try and do that with the, the top teams. The more we play this level, the better we'll become as well. Hopefully, we'll improve again. As the game went on, he seemed to get more and more frustrated with the fact that he felt like he was earned a penalty, and in the yeah. end, I think it was three that he thought he was earned. How yeah. many do you think it was? Two. Two. Which two? First and the last. I think they're Stonewall, and you can't even argue against them. Uh, first one, the lad just he's, he puts his foot out. Cristiano runs straight, and he's fouled. Last one, Paul had a foul against him. Kurt Zuma, he didn't touch him, but he went over him. So why is Cristiano's second or third appeal uh, not a penalty? Hope, hopefully, it won't be. Uh, Cristiano is never going to get a penalty. He rang the changes and they turned out to be the right ones because yeah. Jesse Lingard breaking his former fan base's yeah. heart and scoring a, yeah. a brilliant goal. How Great pleased goal. were you for him? Oh, so happy for Jesse. And of course, he had a tough evening on Tuesday, but he's, he's knuckled down, he's worked hard again, been the same bright, posi positive lad, and what a goal. Uh, so happy for him. And uh, great pass by Nemanja. So good turn by Jesse and great finish. Jesse, well, what a day for you. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a tough game. Um, you know, we got a, a brilliant reception off the, off the fans. You know, when I, when I came on, and you know, I had to I had to do my part, and um, you know, in trying to get the victory. It's, you know, it's always hard to come on sub, but you've got to try and you know change the game, and um, which you did that. Well, you certainly did that. You've had an interesting week, haven't you? I just wonder um, how you've dealt with everything that's happened in the past seven, eight days. No, I've been I've been good. Um, you know, the lads have been behind me, the, the staff behind me, the fans have been behind me. So, you know, it was, it was easy to put, easy to get you know past that, and you know, had to bounce back today. Um, David Moyes has just had a chat with you. What did he say to you? I wonder. No, I just said, look, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, I said, I said the team looks good, the team looks strong, and you know, see you Wednesday. When um, you scored the goal, you obviously make a big point of going and celebrating with the United fans, but the welcome you had here from the West Ham fans was extraordinary for a player coming on from the opposition side. No, it was, it was brilliant. You know, uh, um, you know, had a had a good you know five six months there. You know, it was brilliant to, to get into Europe, and um, you know, I had a great time. And like I said, you know, it was a, it was a brilliant reception, and um, you know, obviously I'm a United player, and you know, I had to to do a bit today. Can you describe your goal for us? Describe your thoughts as you were lining it up. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, as soon as you get one on one in the box, um, you know, all you need is, is half a yard, and you know, uh, I like that. I like that finishing into the far corner, and um, you know, it's just perfect for me, um, you know, to bend it in the corner. Well, David, you're the hero of the hour. Can you talk us through uh, your memories of the, that last minute? Yeah, everything was a bit, uh, a bit crazy. Uh, was the handball of Luke Shaw, uh, then the VAR, uh, and then I saw Rice with the ball. So I was thinking, let's see how he takes the penalty. I was focused on myself, uh, and then suddenly I saw uh, Noble with the ball. So it was a bit, a bit strange, but uh, I think he's the specialist of the team, Noble. So then I make the save, uh, and the team, we get the three points. So it was a massive moment for us, uh, so I'm really happy. Can I ask how difficult it is for you as a goalkeeper? Because VAR throws in a delay for you, and then you have this situation of a, who's going to take the kick. How hard is it? Because you absolutely have to concentrate on, on, on what's going to happen yeah. and keep your focus. To be honest, as soon as I saw the ball hitting the Luke Shaw arm, 
I was already thinking, come on, I have to be ready for the penalty. So I was focused. I was, I was already thinking, come on, you have to save the penalty. And then I made the, I made the save. We won, and uh, I'm really happy. Big win today, particularly when he came back from a, a goal down. And Jesse Lingard comes back here and scores an extraordinary goal. Yeah, now you say it's massive three points for us. Uh, I'm really happy for Jesse as well. I think he deserved uh, to score the, the goal that he, he, he did today. He's a great player, he's a great lad, very good for the team. Uh, and he really deserves, so I'm happy for him. Happy for the team because it was a tough, tough game today against West Ham. We were 1 0 down. And, and then we score the 1 1, so we take confidence again. And the second half was, was a tight, tight half uh, as well, so it was a massive three point, like, like I said. I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, but what is the impact of Cristiano coming back to the club? I mean, you know, he scores today, he's a central figure, he could have had some penalties, but within the group of players, what's the impact? I think it's easy to, to see. He already scored four goals for us in, in three games. But it's not just only the, the goals. I think the, the mentality, the, the ambition, the, the way he works every day, I think it's great. It's great for the, the young players, for the, for the whole team, to see him working every day. I think it's, uh, it's massive for us. And his, his performance, his performance, his score goals, it's a, it's a machine. So it's, it's, great. it's great to have him back. And just to come back to you, you've had difficult moments in the last couple of seasons. How do you feel now and how important is a day like today for you? Uh, I always try to play at my best, giving my 100% every day, so it could be difficult to see from, from outside. It was a difficult season, but I was calm, I was working as always, so I was, I was, I was good, to be honest. Uh, now I feel very good, strong, confident, like always. So. Yes, I'm here to help the team, to, to try to be an example for the, for, the, for the young lads. I'm really happy for the team today and for the fans. It was a massive point for us. Thank you very much. Thank well you. done. So many storylines to come out of that game. I'm going to start with a Mark Noble substitution decision. Of course, we oh. saw that in the Euros, you may remember, when Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho were brought on cold as substitutes. Both of them did not score their penalties. Same with Mark Noble today. Mm. Sounded to us there that he said Declan Rice was going to take it. Mm -hmm. and then he looked up and then here was Mark mm -hmm. Noble with the ball. Of course, it was the wrong decision now because he missed. Yeah. But do you think it was just the wrong decision altogether, this, this bringing on a cold sub? Yeah, yeah and obviously... David Moyes there said he would he would have been uh, he wouldn't have liked himself and, and been disappointed with himself if he didn't make the decision to bring Noble on. In general, I don't think bringing a sub on to have his first kick of the ball be a penalty kick. It, it, he's cold. He's been sitting around for two hours. That's not. I don't care how good you are at a penalty. You haven't struck a ball in in probably two hours since the warm up. It's, it's not ideal. It's also a message to the other 10 mm. outfield players. Like, well, we're not You're happy any of you. I've got this bloke who's not done anything all day. I'm yeah. going to bring him on, Robbie. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Tim. I, I mean, I, just, just, just to see him. It kind of, he runs as if he's not even warmed up running, <laughs> let alone kicking the ball. I mean, you want to have a little bit of a feel for the ball, a feel for where you are. I mean, it's really difficult, given, let alone the pressure on the kick and what led up to that. And his teammates have done a great job to come back into the game and get a chance to, to score there. So, I mean, Declan Rice, I mean, brilliant player. It's a mistake, but I, I guess I like the way he owned up to it and said, listen, I'd do the same again. OK, Cristiano Ronaldo not getting penalties and there Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying, oh, I hope it's not going to be that referees mm. don't give Ronaldo penalties. Um, do you get the sense there could be a situation brewing? I think, I think Solskjaer's on to something. It feels that way. I mean, I looked at... The first one with, with Sioux Fall. It's not a penalty. Okay. 
The second one, we agree on Zuma, definite penalty. The fact that it's not even really gone to VAR and that Martin Atkinson's almost enjoyed waving that off, I, I think there's something in that. Was the first one a dive or was it just not a penalty, the first one? It, was it wasn't because, because as, Rob, as Robbie said in the highlight, he, Sufal puts his foot down into the ground. He's entitled to do that. Ronaldo just falls over it, so it's not a foul. OK, and it's not a dive? No, I think he's looking for contact, but I don't think he's diving. OK, mm. Rob, thoughts on Ronaldo? Uh, my thoughts on Ronaldo is um, I can't believe how instantly better he's made Man United. I mean, I think we all knew that the impact was going to be good. Did I expect him to score? I think it's three now in two and looking like every mm. time the ball goes forward, he looks like as sharp as attacking is going to score every game. That's good for United fans. That really is. And the understanding with Bruno now is definitely improving. I mean, that's, that's yeah. impressive. It's three and two Premier League, four and three all competitions because wow. yeah. he got the goal against young boys in mid, midweek as well. Let's go to the South Coast and hear from both managers. Um, Graham, how, how on earth do you sum that <laughs> game up as a whole? Well, it was, I thought it was a fantastic atmosphere, fantastic game. Two teams going at it properly. Uh, I thought we were really, really good first half. And to get the second goal, I think at that point we were the, the better team. Uh, and then obviously when they score, they can sense that they can get something from it. They're a quality team with great players. So we had to dig in, survive, a little bit of luck. I think the margins went in our favour. Uh, a lot of the times last year they didn't. And um, so we, 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 we can take them this time. But we had, everything, we had to, everything you have to have in a Premier League game, I think, to win. We did. We attacked well, we defended well when we had to, and we had a bit of luck. That's the thing, isn't it? Your side showed a lot of different sides, mm. didn't they, today? Yeah, I think you have to, to get the three points, especially against a side as good as Leicester are. You have to be um, good in attack, good in defence good in the bit in between and then and then like I said a little bit of luck you need as well because um, you're playing against quality opposition and uh, it's nice for us to get get that today. Brendan in the end how fair is it to say that some big decisions made all the difference? I think it's very fair I think that um, yeah but we're really disappointed with with them I think I think you can clearly see the uh, the first one's not a penalty um, but even more disappointing, just the, the collaboration between the, the officials, all four, and probably not one uh, they had decided amongst themselves was right. So, uh, so that was a disappointment. Um, and then the others, the, 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 the couple of goals that was ruled out, I can see a little bit on, uh, on Addy's one, um, where um, Barnes is maybe, maybe just blocking him, but the keeper can still see it. So I thought that was a little harsh, but at no time was, was Barnsley ever blocking on, on Wilf and Didis. It was a great ball in, it was a great header, and uh, it was so, so disappointing because I thought we, we started the game well. We, uh, we then trapped ourselves a little bit with our play. Second half, we made a change. Addy comes into the game, and I thought second half, we were excellent. You know, we conceded a poor goal right at the start of the half. Um, but then it's about your personality and reaction and I thought we reacted so well in the game and created opportunity, scored a fantastic goal and uh, like I say, we, we deserve something from the game. Just to clarify, when you say it wasn't a penalty in your view, is it because of the foul yeah. that appears to have happened on uh, Vestergaard yeah, well, in the building? Yeah, well if you look at the mechanics of it, the ball comes in, he's been pulled down, so obviously one arm has been pulled, his other arm goes up, he's not seeing it, the header comes in straight onto his arm and they're given that as a penalty. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Well, to be fair to Brendan Rodgers, I think I've seen angrier managers after decisions have gone against them than mm. Brendan Rodgers there trying to be as fair as he possibly can be. Um, 
bit concerned about Leicester, 12th in the league Tim, at this stage. Three defeats, just the two victories. So they're not finding any grey area in between with any draws. What's not clicking, do you think? Well, Pereira, Barnes, Madison, they're not, they're not picking up the slack. I mean, we keep saying Jamie Vardy's going to tail off at some point. He's getting old. He doesn't. He's going to score the goals. He needs some help around him. You know, they gave us flashes of brilliance and think these kids are going to grow up and they're going to, and they're going to get the assists and get the goals and take some of this pressure off Jamie Vardy. They haven't. He's had to carry this team. Tielemans, I think, is a fantastic... I think he's brilliant, actually, in the middle of midfield. They can't do it all themselves. Yeah, James Madison was taken off at half-time. Mm-hmm. Another player who's just gone off the boil, even at the end of last season as well, yeah. didn't make the England squad. Yeah, it's just like, when you look at the lineup. it's a strong lineup. The mm-hmm. bench is strong. They've made some good additions. Um, it's just a poor start for them. You know, normally with Leicester, they, we, we end up talking about them a lot because they're towards the top end of the table. And like, can they stay there? And, and they've done a great job over the recent couple of seasons, but it's just a poor start for him. Good manager, good players. Vardy's still doing great things, scoring a goal. So I don't worry about them. It's just disappointing because you normally see him start really quickly. Now, your very bold prediction earlier on today about Brighton finishing the top eight, Mystic Musty. I mean, they're right now sitting in fourth position and what a start top to their four, season. Champions League. Top four, absolutely. If it's Robbie here, he'd be saying they can win the league. Exactly. Um, it seems to me that Graham Potter's just stepped it up another level. Well, uh, uh, yeah, uh, what I would say is that... <laughs> Are you cooling the Jets I'm cooling now? the Jets a little bit because their, their main issue of the last couple of seasons has been scoring. Somebody stick the ball in the back of the net. Welbeck... You know, attacks the ball really well. They get a little bit of fortune with the refereeing VARs. I think we all agree on that. Of course, it's Ben Rogers as well. So the football, the build-up play, really, really good. If they can keep being a, you know, ruthless in front of goal, top eight, absolutely, why not? Well, normally they're in a relegation battle, but with yeah. 12 points from five games, can you almost say they're safe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this will be, be a better season for them. And I, I agree with Mustin. We've talked so much about Grand Potter. When's it going to happen? This could be the season for him. Credit to Thomas Tuchel. Massive credit to Thomas Tuchel. I I was saying there in the second half, to Musty, he strikes me. He seems to get what he wants. He wants something out of a substitute in in Hudson-Odoi last season. Didn't get it. He pulled him off. I didn't agree with it. But it doesn't matter because every time halftime comes, if he doesn't get what he wants, if his team isn't playing the right way, he, number one, makes a substitution. And then it's almost as if he looks at himself and said, I didn't get this right. I'm going to change the tactics. So many managers, we cry out for that. We say, why isn't he making a change? Why isn't he changing tactics? This isn't working. Tuchel sees everything. And he's so, like you say, decisive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you asked us at halftime whether he's going to make a change. He said probably would. Um, but he did exactly the same last weekend. Aston Villa, their three-man midfield, just gave Chelsea a few mm. issues. Saul struggled mm. off. Get off. Somebody else comes in, he changes system last weekend, exactly the same as this weekend. He's got a plan. Mm-hmm. I've got a plan for that. They're outnumbered a little bit in midfield. OK, we can do this. We can play three in midfield. And that's what's scary, mm-hmm. right? First half, Spurs found a little advantage. Thomas Tuchel, oh, I'll fix that. Boom, changes, dominate. A team that's great, that's got the ability to be flexible and to make changes on the fly to solve issues, control again, score goals from different parts of the team. That's impressive. Mason Mount was the player today that made way at the break for N'Golo Kante. Mount, we talked about him a little bit earlier on. He's just not, at the moment, doing what we've come to expect from him. He's not. Um, sounds a little bit harsh, but who cares? 
They've got an amazing squad. OK, you're having a bit of a bad time. You come out. I've got Werner, I've got Havertz, I've got Pulisic, that's nearly fit to come back in, by the way. They can change the system. That's what's impressive about them, Rebecca. You're absolutely right, and, and we all love Mason Mount and what he can bring to a team. He's just a little bit off it right now, so the manager knows that and makes the right calls. Rebecca, the, the brilliant thing about Tuchel is nothing seems to be personal. Mason Mount will get another chance. He took him off because he wasn't doing what he wanted today. I'll get another chance in a, in a week mm. or two, and, and, and that's really good because it doesn't give you time to kind of pout and, and be upset. He, you're gonna, you'll get another chance and do exactly what the manager tells you. So this will come for him. Just one, one thing I want to throw at you there, Tim. At the end of the game, we talk about the manager and, 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 and having favours. Yeah. He goes to the goalkeepers. Yeah. They have a little group hug. There's, a, there's an embrace between the two goalkeepers. Yeah. Kepa played today. Uh, Rudiger, uh, Edward Mendy's obviously the normal guy. Mm-hmm. Is that a good sign that, that, that he's got both of them on board? It's a great... But I think, he ha- yes, he has the whole team on board. I mean, Kepa's not going to play many games at all this season. Oh. Uh, hopefully Mendy's not injured too, you know, too badly, but... He knows. He's clever. That was, that, that's calculated. He knows that if, if we win the game, going straight over to Kepa, just to let him know yeah. that I'm on his Appreciate side. Yeah. Yeah. And also, we talked about Lukaku all morning long. He scored three goals. Lukaku didn't score. Mm. That also tells a story, mm. doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. I mean, it was close a couple of times. Um, he's such a good foil. I mean, the players playing balls off of him. Uh, again, there's, there's enough talent around this front line for others to score as well. Midfield goals, defending goals and set pieces. At the moment, and it's early, they're, they're doing everything. They're ticking every box. They've almost been perfect so far this season. They drew 1-1, of course, with Liverpool with a man off. Other than that, they have been excellent. I, I'd say they, they were, they've been perfect since Tuchel took over. They were, they were much, so yeah. far behind when he took yeah. over that uh, it doesn't look as good, but he, he's not made any wrong decisions since he's yeah. been in charge. Yeah. OK, we will hear from uh, Nuno Espirito Santo shortly, just very briefly on Tottenham. What did mm. we learn today? We have learned that, uh, in fact, I read a quote from him at the end of, of the last game. We've got a lot of work to do. Well, I made the note at the end of that game. We've still got a lot of work mm-hmm. to do because he's still trying to figure out, Tim, there's di- you know, midfield was almost was very different today. It's quite different systems. So he's, he's trying to work it through, but he's got a lot of work to do. Like, I don't know. I think they'll be OK. I think, okay. I think they finished seventh last season. They're, they're about this season. They're, they're not good enough at the moment. OK, Nuno Espirito Santo, the Tottenham manager, is walking towards the microphone. Let's hear from him right now. Nuno, really disappointing afternoon for yourselves. What did you make of it and how the game unfolded? Yeah, disappointed. Um, the first half was very good. First half, I think, we were very good, very good. The game had two halves, clearly, clearly. In the first half, I think we compete really well. We were the better team. We were in control, pressing high, creating situations. Um, for 50 minutes, we all done until the first goal. After that, um, the, team, the game changed. It became very hard for the boys, very hard for us. Chelsea, a good team, good in possession. We created as many problems. But the first half, if there are any positive... Do you think, sorry, do you think yeah. you caught them by surprise with your tactic, your front three pushing high? You had them on the back foot, particularly, as you say, for that first 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think... I don't know if we surprised them, but the idea was that clearly we, ne- we needed to to start the, the match really strong and, and we did it, we did it with really good pressing, recovering the ball, creating situations. The plan was to score, there was a chance, um, there were chances to do it, we didn't do it, but um, like I said to you, the first half, fantastic. What changed from your point of view in the second half? They obviously made a tactical tweak, why do you think you weren't the able to piece, respond? The set piece, the goal, the goal really, really was, was disappointing, the set piece. The team after that 
struggle to, to recover the control of the game. And like I said, Chelsea is a mature, mature team. They are organized, they have experience. It became very hard, very hard for us. Should you have done better on the set pace, do you think? Of course, we should have done better on many aspects. That's what we say. Since we started, we have a lot of things to improve. Even when we did it good results and good performance, we are aware that we have a lot to improve, a long way to go. And we keep on doing because the belief is here, the boys are working well, and we're going to push it. Very different games, but that's back-to-back 3-0 defeats in the Premier League. How much of a worry is that? Because the, go- the goals that you concede, uh, but totally different games, totally different games. Those, that game of Crystal Palace is totally out of our memories. We have to realise that was a different opponent and at our home our fans deserved better but I think in the first 45 minutes was huge for us, was huge. Now we have to get the platform to, to keep on going and sustain these, these levels of performance through all the game. Thanks Nuno. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm sure Arlo White and E. Dixon will talk about Tottenham in a minute. But in here, the chaps are calling Chelsea not just perfect today, but perfect pretty mm. much since Thomas Tuchel arrived, gentlemen. That pretty much sums it up, oh, doesn't I'll it? Really? That, no, we? absolutely. I mean, when you watch them and, and, the, and the dominance that they achieve in, in various games, not just today against Tottenham, is it reminiscent of some of the Arsenal teams you played in with the great defences that you had and the great midfields with like the likes of Vieira in there that just saps the will out of the opposition and they win going away in the end? Yeah, pretty much. I think any, any successful team will have a, a strong defensive mentality and that's not just the back four and the goalkeeper. That's how you stop players and ball going to the defence before it gets there. And we had a great def- uh, midfield that did that. They changed the midfield today. Tootle at half-time changed it and completely strangled the game um, and took control of the game from that moment on. Kante came on and probably was man of the match mm. just in that second half, the way he, he took control of it. Um, and what it does is, because Tottenham started so well in that first half, and I think they, they talked about that, um, that they didn't get any reward for it. And that's what Chelsea do. They will allow you a certain amount of ball. You get pressed. But what they did is they just basically just said to Tottenham, you just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. We'll keep pushing you away, keep pushing you away. And in the end, you kind of lose the will to do that and you lose the energy. They pressed high Mm. to begin with Tottenham and they didn't have any results from it. And then Chelsea just goes, right, and they changed the system, got control of the midfield. And they are looking so ominous because every department of their pit, of, of their team is working superbly well, and they don't look like. And as this, as the boys said in the studio, Mount didn't play so well today. Pull him out, put someone else in. Yeah, they they just don't look like conceding goals, do they? At, no. at any point, and they're scoring plenty as well. So, sitting pretty at the top of the table, Tottenham two defeats now in a row, both by three goals to nil. I'm not sure that that's going to be too much of a litmus test as to where they are at the moment but where how do you see them going into a North London derby next week well North London derby is a little bit false anyway because the players should have a different mentality towards that the crowd gets that from you and it's it's a way at Arsenal so um it's a difficult situation for them because they started so well. So that's, that maybe was a bit false. This maybe is a bit mm. false. So somewhere in the middle is probably where Tottenham are, which is kind of where they finished last season. But there's a, an awful lot of work to do because his new manager putting his new ideas over mm. and that's going to take time. OK, Lee, travel home safely. Let's head back down to the sideline and hear from the Spurs midfielder, Deli Ali. You must be disappointed by the, by the results. How did you assess the performance today? Yeah, we're disappointed. I think um, first half before we worked well, 
and after we conceded the first goal, you know, it was always going to be difficult, but we still believed, and uh, yeah, I think there's some positives to take, and we're still building, we're still working, so it was, uh, like I said, you know, there's going to be things we need to improve on, and we're all disappointed, obviously. The shape was good, certainly, as you said, in the, in the first half, it's that set piece with the first goal that really shifted the momentum of the game. Yeah, um, it was my man as well, so I'm disappointed with that, but I think, uh, you know, first half, we felt comfortable, maybe they had a couple of chances, but for our, our own mistakes, you know, we felt comfortable and maybe, you know, we should have been one or 2 nil up, but, um, yeah, when you go one nil down, you want to come out, you want to change the shape and maybe risk a little bit more than we needed to, and was punished in the end. So. There was a defeat at Crystal Palace, very different to, to the one of today, and there's the big derby against Arsenal next week with, with the need this time to, to bounce back properly, especially against them. Yeah, we need to bounce back, we need to show our character. Um, like you said, it was two very different performances from today and against Crystal Palace. Today, I think uh, there's a lot of positives to take. Uh, it's hard saying that when we lost 3-0 and obviously we're disappointed, but um, if anyone thought this was going to be a quick turnaround and you know it was going to come back and Fire in this uh, mistake, and they're a very good team, and we have to uh, we have to improve on that. And like I said, next game Arsenal in the league, so we're going to go there, we're going to fight, and hopefully get through points. We apologise there for the quality of that interview, but I think we just got the gist from Delhi Ali trying to take the positives, Robbie, out of mm. this performance. Um, what's the first thing? that Nuno has to work on with this team Monday morning or possibly... Oh, no, Monday morning is Sunday today, isn't it? Yeah, tomorrow morning. You know what the first thing might be? is just to, to, to have a few harsh words with some of the guys that have been there a few seasons now because there's been different managers and different philosophies and, and different pressure put on different people. Some of these players have seen that process and Delhi is one case. It, it, you know, good that he admitted it there, that he lost his man for, the, for one of the goals in the game. But those players have to step up. Now, in all fairness, the back four, there's two new defenders in the team for Spurs today. That will take a little bit of time to bed in. I thought Romero looked pretty good, actually, as a central defender against Lukaku for the most part today. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's just got a... It's almost like today, the first half was good. The high press, the organisation, the, the most people in midfield, it kind of worked. And then after that, when that was neutralised... Uh, it's like, well, I haven't had a chance to get to that yet. You know? mm -hmm. and, and there will be another kind of plan, I guess, another ideas he's got to put across there. But it's early for Nuno Espirito Santo. I mean, you know, he's got to be given time to work with these players um, to try and find the best way through. Agree? Yeah, I think that that's where the growth comes in. You're not going to get it all perfect right from the, right from the beginning. Look, they need to... Tottenham are a team that need to score when they're in the ascendancy. When they're really flowing on the counterattack, they have to score because... They know they're going to defend and they're going to concede chances. We've seen that. And if it's not 1-0, they don't really seem to look like they have any other ideas. OK, well, at the uh, full-time whistle, the Chaps wanted to give all the credit to the Chelsea manager, Thomas Tuchel. Let's hear from him now. Thomas, would I be right in saying that as a coach, your assessment of the first 45 minutes would be very different from the second 45 minutes? Yes, it was. And it is. You're absolutely right. Me personally, I was absolutely not happy with the first uh, 45 minutes. There were individual performances that were already great, like from Kepa, Thiago was already very, very good in first half. Um, uh, like even more players were like good, but in general we lacked intent, we lacked energy, and we lacked, we lacked um, to be more relentless in in, in, in duels, to be more uh, to decide 50-50 balls for us. I had the feeling that we want to impressed by pure skills but a game like this in, in Premier League and the Derby and in Tottenham is not only about skillful play, it's also about ag aggression, it's about winning duels, it's about 
like performing better as a team. We lacked energy. We lacked. We lacked. Yeah, we lacked it simply. And 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 we spoke clearly about it at halftime. Second half was a very good performance and uh, a well-deserved win in the second half. And yeah. So it was a very good reaction. I'm absolutely happy with the performance in the second half. You made the change at half-time, Mount Kante. Yeah. Do you think the turnaround in the second half was down to the tactical change or a different mentality from your team that you just alluded like, to? I mean, yeah, it was like a hard decision for Mason and it, it seemed to be a bit more defensive from, from Mason to, to, to N'Golo. But I wanted to give the sign from the talk. I was not happy with the energy and... I was not ready to talk about these uh, the spaces here and the spaces there and where to open the spaces. For me, it was about a ball win, second balls, about duels and about sending signals and uh, um, growing uh, confidence to let the confidence grow by by energy and by ball wins and by 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 more work, by higher work rate and by 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 closing players down and, and not being too reactive. So yeah, that was the the signal to the talk more or less. A word about Thiago Silva, 37 years young, next yes. week. Next week. You said about his level of performance and also outstanding. the craft in his goal. Yes, it is nice. He almost scored twice. He's uh, so strong. The deliveries were good for his goals. And we are very happy that he was even able to score and open the game for us today. So, But performance even in first half was, was outstanding. Like, fantastic performance. Well deserved. He was uh, outstanding today. A big relief that Tony Rudiger managed to get in the ground because when you first arrived, yeah. you didn't know where he was, did you? Yeah, I, I, I didn't, and uh, I was not concerned. But it's a bit strange when when player arrives, he had some problems. He said with his passport to to come in, like with the online the COVID pass, passport. Yeah, the COVID passport. So, okay. Yeah, it was like a bit also like this in the first half. We were there, but not fully there. We could have done better. We we did not manage, I think, to 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 have chances. Although there were the the half chances and there were the deliveries, but we didn't manage to be dangerous. We were too sloppy. Uh, we were not sharp enough. And uh, I'm happy that we are able to, to to overcome these situations with luck and quality, and stop in, 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 and then step up in, in, in quality in our match because that was we needed to deserve a better result. You said yourself the other day, look, we're not playing at our very best, nowhere near as yet, and you expected that this time of the season. But the points tally you have so far that includes away games at Arsenal, Tottenham, and Liverpool. Yes. We are competitive, yes, and we want to be competitive. It's not an excuse to say we are not ready yet. We need no. We we, we still can produce results. That's what we uh, want at the club. What I want from from myself and from the team. We want to win, and we are we are competitive on this level to win uh, already. But we still have things to improve. Uh, the first half is, is proof for that. Uh, we struggle a little bit in the moment. Not everything is going easy, but it's not a bad thing. It's, it's good to have these hard situations now and to overcome them and, and to fight through them. It's, it's good because we are, we are able to produce uh, wins and we are able to produce um, deserved wins also in Champions League and in the league. And it's a, it's a good basis to, to, to keep on going because right now counts. It does not count what's in, in three months. It's now and tomorrow. 
does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.